Super Talk Mississippi media production. Spring is in the air, and that means it's time to refresh your wardrobe with the season's hottest trends at the Black Sheep Boutique. Don't blend in this spring. Stand out with the Black Sheep Boutique with two locations to serve you in Tupelo or Saltillo or online at theblacksheepboutiquetupelo.com. Celebrating the amazing people of coastal Mississippi and across this great state who are working hard to make this a great place to live, work, and play. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk 103.1. to the Ricky Matthews Show, where we celebrate the amazing people who are working so hard to make this place such an amazing place to live, work, and play. You know, it's July the 11th. Uh, July the 11th actually has a very special place in my heart. Um, I met my wife, Ann, on July the 11th, and two years later, to the day, we were married on July the 11th and went on to have three kids, our last kid, uh, last child, uh, Justin, who lives in New York City now. He was born on July the 11th, so uh, a lot of... uh, a lot of special moments around that 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 date for me. Uh, I met my soulmate when I met Anne, and it's been a terrific, a terrific uh, friendship and marriage. And we're proud of our kids. And you know, when you get an opportunity to, to reflect on an important anniversary like your marriage anniversary, um, I'm I'm uh, one of the most um, lucky guys in the world to have an amazing woman like Anne behind me. Um, Okay, so look, I got. I want to share with you a quote from. Uh, this is something that my friend Nikki Moon, who's a community leader over in Hancock County, posted, and uh, kind of speaks for itself. But I have a few comments about it. Um, here's what it says: Maturity is when you have the power to destroy someone who did you wrong, but instead you walk, breathe. Excuse me. You walk away and breathe. And let life take care of them. I love that. that you let life take care of them. You don't react. Um, I remember Zig Ziglar once said that you know the difference between reacting to something and responding to something is very different. You know, people too often react, and social media gives you the opportunity to in the moment just immediately react. Responding is, as my my dad used to say, you bite your tongue, tongue and let the blood trickle. <laughs> you you take time and you think about it. And um, I remember reading this book once about how to be a CEO. And one of the lessons in this book was write the important message or write the important letter and put it in your top drawer. Pull it out two weeks from now. If it's still important, send it. If it's not, don't. Well, certainly we don't live in a world that gives us the ability to do that anymore, but it is a really important thing to think about, to reflect about. Uh, in the moment, too often we respond, or excuse me, we react, and we don't, we don't you know, take a deep breath and, and think about it. But, you know, when I was um, involved in, uh, as a CEO, uh, launching a new media company and making major change in newspaper companies, I was often the target. It's one of the reasons, actually, that I got off of Twitter. Uh, Twitter was this very toxic environment, and I just finally decided to get off of it. But I watched a lot of people who, um, you know, I could say did me wrong, but, you know, I was just a target. It wasn't personal. But I often thought about 
you know, how do I respond to these situations? And I didn't. I usually just took a deep breath and walked away. And I, I took the point of view, let life take care of them. Um, I felt like I was a bigger man by doing that, by not not reacting to when people sort of targeted me. As a publisher, you got had to get used to that. You had to have thick skin. Um, you, you didn't, you know, at any given day, you know, 50% of your audience might be mad at you. Sometimes maybe 100% of your audience might be mad at you. But um, but the power to destroy, so maturity is when you have the power to destroy someone who did you wrong, but instead you, you breathe, walk away, and let life take care of them. I want to thank my friend Nikki Moon for posting that. I, I agree. I can't agree more. That is what that is what maturity is all about. Hey, listen, in the, in the last week we spent a couple of shows, uh, one show, an entire show actually, with the mayor of Moss Point, Billy Knight. And my friend Paige Roberts, the executive director for the Jackson County Chamber, who is leading the recovery effort for the city of Moss Point as a volunteer. I mean, her efforts are incredible. Uh, what she's doing to support the mayor in the city is 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 uh, what you want everyone to do when there's a challenge in our community. And then I had T. McCovey from the United Way of Jackson, George, and Greene County. They just recently added, added Greene County. Um, and they are, um, you know, he's he, the United Way is working with them on long-term recovery efforts, and it was just terrific. Every opportunity I get, I'm going to talk about Moss Point and keep them front and center because the, there have 60 people who lost their homes or have severe damage. The city has had big challenges. They may or may not be declared a, a, a federal disaster area. And it's something we have to we have to stay focused on until they get back on their feet. But with that said, I thought I would invite my friend Jamie Miller, the CEO of the Gulf Coast Business Council, to join me. We'll, you know, they're going to be supporting the efforts at Moss Point as well. And then it's just really an opportunity for Jamie and me to catch up. We haven't talked in a while, and and uh, there's no rest for the weary when you lead a regional business organization like the Coast Business Council. Without any further ado, let me welcome Jamie to uh, the Ricky Matthews Show. How you doing, Jamie? I'm doing well. Uh, thanks for having me on such a special day for you. I, I, uh, I'm honored to be a part of this day. And uh, uh, you, you, like me, met your soulmate. And, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're much better people for it. So congratulations. We are. I tell you, man, you, tell, you find me a successful man <laughs> or a woman, for that matter. And you're going to find a, a wonderful woman or a good man behind them. And that certainly is the case for me. And I know it's the case for you as well. No doubt, no doubt. So you heard what I said about Moss Point. Um, you know, this is uh, it, it's so interesting because I had such a, I've had a series of conversations with with Mayor Billy Knight, who I describe as a man who's reinvented himself a thousand times. I mean, this guy keeps coming back and and these new versions of themselves. He ran for mayor th uh, three times. He won his third time. And, you know, just to think, how would the things be different if he had been elected the first time? But here's a guy in his 80s giving back to the community in such a selfless way. Um, it's inspiring to watch him. And it's, and it's also he creates this, this atmosphere where you want to help him, doesn't he, Jamie? Listen, I can't be more impressed with Mayor Knight, and I, and I had, uh, did not have a relationship with him previously, uh, but as soon as he was elected, as soon as I came to this role, um, we spoke on the phone, and uh, he has been engaged with the Business Council. We have tried to be available to him, uh, and I think the tornadoes hit either Monday or Tuesday. 
uh, of the week of our general membership meeting, and and we invited him to <clears throat> to come and speak. Uh, he ended up doing a video call to our membership that that week, and I just uh, Moss Point needs a mayor like Mayor Knight, uh, and I'm so pleased that he's there. Uh, of course, there are others that that he's kept, kind of rallied around him to help. Paige Roberts, you mentioned, um, but you're right. I, who, who knows what what Moss Point would have looked like, you know, had he been in term for you know eight, twelve years. Yeah, I mean they're working on the the major project at the interchange of I ten, you know, coming into to Moss Point. You've got uh, this this whole vision around the River City and what could be there. What what already is there? I mean, a, a quaint, cool downtown area that has a great vision for where it wants to go. He 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 immediately reached out to the community and said, okay, what can we do that will engage not just the community, but the youth of the community? And they were able to get approved in this overwhelmingly positive vote from citizens of Moss Point to invest heavily in recreational a recreational plan, long-term recreational plan for the city. And, uh, you know, he's just hitting on a lot of cylinders. And the other thing is I've, I've really enjoyed watching uh, the Jackson County Chamber under Page's leadership work with him. You know, the, the chambers today, whether we're talking with Adele or Tish or whoever, the chambers of today certainly do what our, what our father's chamber did, but they are so much more involved in building communities and in grant writing and and bringing value to the community and watching Paige work with uh, Mayor Knight on a number of different initiatives in that city. It's uh, it's exciting to see. But you know what's interesting, uh, Jamie? Speaking of mayors, if you, th- if you were, to, were to sort of go down the coast, th- there is a collection of mayors, almost every single one of them, frankly, who found success in their lives are now in a process where they're giving back and they're doing it in a selfless way. They don't bring a bunch of ego to the table. They're just trying to figure out in the short time that I'm elected, how can I make my mark and leave a legacy in my city? Uh, we're lucky, actually, to have the collection of mayors we've got, don't we? Aren't we? We're very fortunate. I think you described them well. I, I uh, We've got some very talented mayors that spent a lifetime in the private sector and still involved in the private sector in some ways that have uh, selflessly ran for office and, and are leading communities. Um, if you just, just like you said, from Waveland back to Moss Point, if you look at the downtown growth and how our communities uh, have really thrived in the last several years. I, I, you know, the mayors of each of those communities can take some credit for that. Um, they know when to get out of the way. They know the private sector is important. Um, they're consensus builders when, when they, you know, as, as much as they can be. And uh, the coast is benefiting from it. They really, they really are. Hey, from your perspective, what can we do to support Moss Point's recovery effort? You know, a page. As soon as the tornadoes, within 48 hours, Paige started calling me, trying to organize uh, what she could around our business community in Moss Point. And uh, you know, your your some time has to pass. Uh, hey, let's wanna... do let's do this. I didn't realize we were coming to the end of this segment. When we get back on the other side, we'll talk about how we can support Moss Point and their recovery efforts. When we come back after this message with uh, Jamie Miller, the CEO of the Coast Business Council, we'll see you after this.
passion and love for coastal Mississippi is why he's here. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk 103.1. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show. We have Jamie Miller, the CEO of the Coast Business Council, someone who I have a tremendous amount of respect for and work together in lots of iterations of his career and uh, the most recent here at the, at the Coast Business Council. But when we went to break, we were talking about the tornado that swept through Moss Point and the efforts underway to support them. And uh, we were talking about, um, anyway, Jamie was an- answering the question of how can we support Moss Point in their recovery efforts? You can start, start from there, uh, Jamie. Yeah, I, you know, immediately after we realized how much damage had occurred in Moss Point, I, people like Paige Roberts and others who have great experience in recovery efforts uh, already started to go to work and, and think through what the next, you know, 24, 96 hours would look like. Uh, but a community, when hit with that kind of storm, you know, event, you know, it, it takes them a, some time to kind of organize themselves. And I think uh, industry leaders like Chevron, Ingalls, certainly, and others, Eminem uh, Bank, others uh, with Page and the Chamber helped the city kind of get back quickly to get organized around how it could help its citizens. Uh, in that same week when we had our general membership meeting, I said, you know, Mayor Knight joined us uh, by phone. Uh, and, you know, we give we gave him a platform to say, Mayor, how can we help? And, I, and at the time, they did not need supplies. They did not need bottled water and clothes and those things that maybe other disasters you need at a certain time. Uh, but I think now they're organized. I think even Paige has approached the, the, the Board of Supervisors about a long-term recovery committee. Eminem uh, Bank has a fund now that people can give to. And I know our members have given uh, of their time. They volunteer. They've given, you know, their money to, to the effort. And so, this will go on for some time, and I, you know, I've just let Paige know and let others in Moss Point know, let the mayor know. Look, uh, if there's something specific we need to be doing, let us know. But we've got such great industry leaders over there that have been involved. I, I, you know, it, it just takes some time uh, as those needs arrive, and you don't know what all the unmet needs are until you get to those certain milestones. So we're not going to forget Moss Point for sure, and, and we we look forward to helping them. Well, you you you, uh, you covered a lot of those bases. What's interesting is, first of all, at the Board of Supervisors and county leadership, we have a lot of really good leaders in place there. And then at the cities, you have great you – know, you know, for example, you look at the mayors of Pascual, Ocean Springs, and Moss Point, the way they're working together. It's awesome. And the, way they, the way those three are actually working with other mayors up and down coastal Mississippi is great to see that as well. But you have, as you pointed out, industry leaders that are experts at understanding how to assess a situation and then solve problems and get, you know, get in, in, into a, a scenario where we can uh, get back on our feet as, we, as it relates to Moss Point specifically. But then you got the governor and MEMA are working to try to figure out and what can they do from a declaration, uh, a disaster declaration point of view. And then, of course, you've got the federal government. I, I have concerns, and, and I, I talked to T. McCovey about this on Friday, but I have concerns that that small, small disasters like this one um, it, and the way that federal de- de- declarations work – are biased against small ones. They, they're they're more tuned toward larger cities, and, and maybe at some point, because you th- see these disasters happening all around the United States, whether it be floods or whatever it might be, 
that we might need to tweak the way we evaluate a small city like Moss Point. When you have 60 people, what's interesting about Moss Point is that what it does is it is it is it helps enlighten us about the vulnerabilities a community has. Okay, so if you've got a, a number of people who are on the edge, a tornado goes through, and it really, for a second, gives us the opportunity to see, are we really resilient? You know, and, and how many people are already on the edge before the tornado hit? Then the tornado hits, and we find out of the 60 homes that were destroyed or had major damage, they're either underinsured, they they have no insurance. They're renters, and they're you know they're they now don't have a place to stay. Um, you pointed out that that Paige said we got plenty of water. Don't use this as an opportunity to clean out your closet. We've got plenty of clothes. They actually need they still need like people who can put blue tarps on top of a roof, and they need people with a, a you know strong back and a chainsaw. And they need money. And uh, the United Way, working with Eminem Bank, as you pointed out, has started to fund. You can go to United Way of Jackson, Georgia, and Greene County, and there's a donate button there that you that people can donate to. But you know what I'm I'm pleased about is that the, the the number of people who are rallying around the mayor and the city because of good leadership, you know, we'll get through this. Whether there's a declaration uh, declared or not, we'll get through this. And I think the main thing we've got to do is just make sure we keep the topic front and center, uh, as as is typically the case after a disaster like this. Is that if you didn't get hit. Whatever your normal is, it it gets back, it kicks back in, and you get moving, and you've got your own worries in your own life, and that, and, and what happens, we kind of take our eyes off the ball, and I think we have an opportunity to kind of make sure we keep our eyes on the ball and give them the support that they need, and the business council obviously has a terrific role in in, in doing that. Anything else you want to say about Mossport before we shift gears? No, I I just. I- I echo what you're what you're saying. I, it'll be important to just keep them at top of mind. You're right. It's so easy with a news cycle and just everything else uh, to, to kind of just go to the next thing. But uh, I, the business council will make it a point at each of its meetings and each opportunity to make sure that Moss Point's getting the attention it needs, at least from the business community. Listen, uh, I was thrilled to see. Um uh, the chairman of the of the Gulf Coast Restoration Advisory um, board, being be, you being appointed as a chairman, and I've I've expre- I think it's a I think that the process is important to coastal Mississippi, and and the fact that seventy five percent of the BP money is going to be spent on the coast, all of that's a really good thing. I've I've expressed many times my concerns that we would build a municipal building or do things that are. Are, are the kind of things that 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 the counties and cities can can do with other funds that we should be using this money to do transformational things. In fact, that's the way it's worded in the bill that created the fund. Uh, and that too often it's a little bit too much of a political football. I wish it weren't that. And unfortunately, the, the Gulf Coast Restoration Fund Advisory Board is just that, an advisory board. And unfortunately, some people can go around and it creates a lobbying activity and all these other things. Um, but we still have to be focused on keeping a conversation around transformation. And I know that that's where your head is. And you've got to be thrilled that you have an opportunity to, to have a leadership voice in that process now. Yeah, I'm very honored uh, when the governor's office called and uh, had 
let me know they were appointing me as chairman of the advisory board. Of course, it's it's uh, something that I take very seriously. It's an opportunity for the coast and that advisory board to make recommendations to uh, MDA and our legislature about projects that we think could be or should be transformational. Uh, however, we don't uh, control what projects get submitted. So, I, you know, in conversation with the advisory board this year, we actually sent a press release and we tried to communicate to those potential applicants the types of projects that we felt uh, were important to the coast. And, and we weren't, uh, we talked about uh, transformational infrastructure, transportation, uh, transformational tourism. And we, we tried to describe or give some characteristics of what we thought were, uh, were, were transformational or at least meaningful tourism projects or economic development. So. I, I feel like in the past uh, we we put too much criticism on our legislature because they're choosing among projects that they didn't select. You're right. There's there's a lobbying component that has kind of been created here. I hope the advisory board moving forward will take a more assertive role in saying, here are the types of projects we want to review. Here are the types of projects we'd like to recommend, uh, and hopefully it will you know maybe. Uh, encourage those types of projects to be submitted and then i think after we review the projects i think we need to be really you know deliberative about uh how how and what type of projects we recommend and so i i'm i'm happy to be a part of that and, I, and look we've got a fantastic group of people on that advisory board they're not afraid at all uh to speak their mind or, or to share what they think is important you know, when the Outdoor Stewardship Trust Fund came to fruition, uh, both on this show and on my outdoor show, Super Talk Outdoors, I advocated strongly for a board, a board of trustees that had the ability to decide. Um, in fact, you know, a lot of what we learned through the through the Gulf Coast Restoration Fund advisory process is what we wanted to fix as it related to the Outdoor Stewardship Trust Fund that now has um, had, has $15 million in it that they currently are able to spend. And I think the number will end up being 20 to $25 million before it's over on an annual basis. And eventually, I think we'll get recurring funds so that uh, there needs to be a dedicated funding source. But the, the legislature has been um, incredibly accommodating, and um, it took two years to make this happen. Our friend Joe Cloyd is, is one of the representatives from the coast. Uh, he was appointed by Lieutenant Governor to, to to be on this board, but they are you know they they take the projects in. They have an executive director, and when, and the decisions they make, that's how the funding goes. They don't have to go back to the legislature to seek improve, uh, approval. And there are a lot of ad hoc members of of the of the trustees that are that are uh, you know political representatives and others that are a lot of oversight and whatever. But it you know the first round just got communicated and it went extraordinarily well. I mean, I mean you're talking about it coming out of the gate strong. Um, I wish the Gulf Coast Restoration Fund was administered in a similar way because it, it takes a level of political whatever out of it, and you and you and you go to this really powerful board of trustees that are full of incredibly strong business people who know how to make these kinds of decisions and are willing to stand by the decisions that they make. But, you know, we've got many years to go on the Gulf Coast Restoration Fund, and we've got a lot of opportunities to influence the process and focus on building the kind of projects that are going to pay back for Coastal Mississippi. And you said they come in a bunch of different forms, but anything we can do 
where we encourage future dollars to be spent or we create a return on the investment in a way that is, is positive for the community. That's that's a good thing. And But when we build a municipal building or build something like that, it's not there's not a return on that investment. And the when we when we established this, we wanted to help ourselves recover from the economic pain that was created by the BP oil spill. So you uh, you've got good experience in this area and I'm excited about it. Hey, when we come back, we'll continue the conversation about uh, what's going on in the business council these days with Jamie Miller. We'll see you after this. Subscribe for free to the Ricky Matthews Show podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Reminding you why we all love living in coastal Mississippi. It's the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk 103.1. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show. We're visiting with my friend Jamie Miller, who's the CEO of the Gulf Coast Business Council. And, uh, you know, there's a long list of things to talk about. But, you know, one of the things that I was always intrigued about is certainly something we talked about when we formed the Gulf Coast Business Council after Hurricane Katrina. And that is the, the opportunity we had to create some type of political action committee, something, some kind of pack where we could begin to really use our leadership to say, yeah, these are the kind of candidates we want to see. When when there's a weak board of supervisors meeting or when there's a weak legislator or whatever, we can say, okay, the way to fix that is instead of fighting that, it, that whatever that status quo might be, that we let it speak through the pack that these are the kind of people that we want to, to we want to elect. So where are we with 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 the business councils that relates to statewide and coastal election and whether you endorse candidates or not, and then this this notion of creating this new political action committee that you guys have done, uh, you already have money coming into the to the pack. Uh, give us an update on all that. Yeah, I'd be happy to. We, uh, when I got to the council last fall, it was you know the executive committee and our members had, had really finally decided they wanted to take the next step and form a pack. <clears throat> so we we did that, went through that process. We've got a board that oversees the pack, and of course the uh, it's not just enough to have an organization. You've got to have money because ultimately you want to make be able to make contributions to candidates. And so the uh, the board made a very reasonable goal, I thought, this year was to raise $25,000 before the August 8th primary uh, so that we could then participate and, and begin to support candidates that we thought were pro-business, pro-industry, you know, pro-tourism. Uh, it's a state PAC. It, it doesn't get involved in federal elections, uh, but it, it also allows us to get involved in those local county elections and even municipal elections uh, when, when, when that cycle comes through. So. Uh, endorsements are another, you know, the business council alone, if, without even writing a check to a candidate, you know, uh, we've not really endorsed publicly candidates. And I think you're going to see us do that this year. Uh, we're going to go before our membership and our executive committee and, and, and come out publicly and endorse candidates. Uh, and then the PAC will be able to, to write those checks of support uh, for those you know, those public officials that we think are promoting and, and have a record of, uh, of supporting pro-industry, pro-business policy. So it's another important tool 
um, that I think if you're not, you know, you can't really impact public policy completely uh, if, if you're not also involved in, in elections and candidates. So. I really think it will get it will get the attention of um, of political leaders in coastal Mississippi. There's no question about it. You know, some some without naming names, some are sort of the anti Coast Business Council. They don't like to be told what to do, and they want to be able to do it their way, and that's fine. But I think the role of the Business Council is to keep a vision for coastal Mississippi alive and well. Is to is to do uh, constant data analysis of where are we really? I mean, what what is the current situation really? Where do we, where can we improve? How do we improve? Do, are we supported in those improvement efforts, which often involve the legislature or maybe the board of supervisors or maybe even a city? So I think, you know, aligning people around our goals and it's not just, you know, just coming out of the gate and saying, hey, we're going to support that candidate. There's a reason you're going to support that candidate because that candidate sees the vision for coastal Mississippi and they share that vision that is evolving from the work of the Coast Business Council. And that's how we advance the ball. Uh, as, as you and I have discussed before, this notion around what Jerry St. Pay said, and that that complacency might be our you know our biggest enemy, that that Ingalls and Chevron will always be there, the blue chip industries that are part of Stennis will always be there, the gaming will always be here, and the hospitality arena will always be there. We can't be complacent. We can't just sit with the status quo and be happy. We have to always be raising the bar, and always understand that the competitive threats to coastal Mississippi are significant from all over the country. And um, we have to be real about that. And we have to have people who support growth. And that's what this is all about, isn't it? It is. Uh, uh, just as an example, I, you know, we're talking about, you know, how Mississippi or coastal Mississippi compares with other regions in the country. We took a trip to Tupelo recently and, and I had a similar similar conversation with an organization that, you know, in North Mississippi called the Community Development Foundation. They've been around for decades. And I, I brought up this question about political action committees and, and whether they thought it was relevant. And and they responded and said in, in 2019, Northeast Mississippi realized that they had lost a lot of chairmanships in the House, in the state house, that were important to them. And so they they established a PAC, started raising money. And in this election cycle, this in, in their June report, because I went and pulled it from the Secretary of State's office, they wrote two checks. They wrote a $50,000 check to the lieutenant governor, uh, and they wrote a $50,000 check to the House leadership. Now, th those two positions assign committees in this next legislative cycle. So in January, there'll be new committee chairmen uh, elected, and those two people will be responsible for that. So it's not just that we're not that we're competing with other parts of the state, but other parts of the state are organized around political action and contributions that make a difference in our state house that strengthen legislators in other parts of the state. So I see our PAC as rewarding, uh, I don't say rewarding good behavior, but we want to strengthen our hand. We want our legislators to have a strong voice in Jackson, but we also want them to have a a very aligned voice with what the business community believes is good. So alignment is the key to success. I mean, we can get everybody singing from the same hymnal about the potential and the future, and we're all leading in that same way. 
Um, only good can come from a process like that. That is for sure. Now, speaking of process and good that came from it, the State of the Coast Symposium, over 600 attendees. Uh, you and I chat a little bit about it before the symposium. I've had some conversations with folks since the the symposium, but man, it was a it was a resounding success. Look, it exceeded my expectations. Uh, you know, we thought we may have 500 people. You know, but two weeks, kind of a week going in, we had over 500 registered, and we ended up with over 600 attending. Um, you know, we we had two uh, awards that we're given this year, inaugural Rising Tide Award that we gave to a, a fantastic company that relocated from California called Ocean Arrow. Um, and then John Reed received uh, another uh, the public uh, award for the Rising Tide and the great work he did as appropriations chairman. Um, we had a great speaker from Tulane, a professor uh, uh, who's an economist, but somewhat of an entertaining, uh, you know, speaker. And then I was able to, you know, kind of make a, a pitch and a sale for why it's so important. If you're not a member of the business council and you're interested, if your business is interested in, in what happens in their future, uh, why the business council is so important to be a member. And so uh, I just thought it, it just every part of it, the Beau Revage did a great job hosting. And, uh, and and I think everybody walked away with a, some encouragement, but some uh, almost a challenge and a charge to uh, to continue, as you said, you know, to fight against this, this idea of complacency or mediocrity. So uh, we, we hope we can, you know, even raise the bar next year. But uh, but this year's event was was you know, the Ocean Era story is an incredible story. And um, as irony would have it, Mark Henderson, who he and his wife Leslie started uh, Lazy Magnolia, I know you know that, recently sold it, incidentally, had Mark on the show and we talked about the process. And he um, he also had another company called Log Linear Group that they have all these sophisticated radar te technologies. And one of the companies that they worked with was Ocean Era. This is before Ocean Era relocated here. And now, Mark, after selling Lazy Magnolia, he's now the head of technology for Ocean Era here in coastal Mississippi. And the, the role that they're playing in sort of amplifying the blue economy and what can be part of that. Um, Mark is such a such a smart dude. It's great to have a local guy involved in that effort. But we've invited the CEO from Ocean Era to be here. We're going to tell his story. And I also invited uh, John Reed to join me here as well to tell his incredible story. Um, uh, what a fascinating story it is. Uh, and so I look forward to chatting with John Reed soon. But I think the uh, the Rising Tide Award is just another way to hold these people up as examples, these people who are contributing back in different ways to Coastal Mississippi and hold them up as examples for others to, to follow. And uh, congratulations on on a really great state of the, uh, of the Coastal Symposium start. Hey, listen, we talk a lot about leadership. Uh, I remember when Roland was deeply, Roland Weeks, the former publisher of the Sun-Herald, was deeply engaged in helping to start the master's class. We've got leadership, Gov Coach. You've got all these leadership programs in the other chambers, and now you've got the master's class that's in a, you know multiple years of success at the Coach Business Council. But I think these trips you're taking to other markets is incredibly important because it helps people kind of open their eyes to the kind of aligning that's going on in other communities. And you've uh, you've done some similar trips and have some planned as well. Yeah, in the past, look, the master's class has been a fantastic success. And, um, and this year, we just prob 
partly because of my learning curve and, and just the planning and logistics that go into taking a group of people out of the state, uh, we, we decided to kind of look a little more inward and we visited some places in our own state where we thought uh, other regions were doing things well uh, and asked them, you know, um, how do, you know, how does the coast do better? What's y'all's perspective of how we can do things better? And we went to, you know, Hattiesburg and the ADP, uh, Madison and the great things that are going on up there. We spoke with Shad White and Speaker Gunn uh, and then went all the way to Tupelo. Uh, and heard from the Community Development Foundation. And when we come back, we'll talk about and man, what they're what each of these have stories to tell. And I think it's a, I may probably ought to be part of the master's program from now on to do a, a split between maybe leaving the state and doing some some real study in, internally. Uh, the Golden Triangle would be a good one to go spend some time with, as you well know from your time uh, working for Mississippi Economic Development. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Jamie Miller. This is the Ricky Matthew Show on Super Talk Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthew Show. I have my friend Jamie Miller, uh, who is the CEO of the Coast Business Council. And again, we've worked together in the community in so many different ways. We even worked together on a major effort over in Alabama at one time in our lives. Uh, but we were talking about the master's class, which is a leadership development program that's part of the Gulf Coast Business Council. They took trips to Hattiesburg, Jackson, Madison, and Tupelo. And I look at that list, and I can think of others, as I mentioned before, winter break. But each of those has a story to tell. In Jackson, of course, you can meet with state leadership. And Madison, people understand that Madison has done some special things as it continues to explode in population. Tupelo is uh, is an important economic engine for the state of Mississippi. And Hattiesburg, I had the opportunity to visit on this show with the mayor of Hattiesburg not, not too long ago. And, man, Hattiesburg's got a story to tell as well. So each one has got a little bit of a different dimension. Each one has something to teach, though, about leadership, don't they? Yeah, the value uh, that we were trying to get out of these trips was, uh, you know, there's some familiarization with those areas of the state and then the connectivity back to our own state capital and the legislature and, and, you know, our own state laws, the way we're kind of organized. You know, when you go out of state, you see some incredible things, what Nashville's done, what, you know, Atlanta's done. And but those are really large cities, uh, you know, their, their states organized a little differently in some ways. And so. When you go to Hattiesburg and meet with the mayor and you talk to their area development partnership and see how they're doing economic development and community development, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, references that we can relate to. And, you know, we immediately see the things that maybe we're missing. And then, you know, you go to Jackson and, and you you hear from those folks and, uh, you know, you don't it's not like being in a foreign country where you're not. Well, it sounds good, but how would we do it back here at home? Uh, I mean, there's just uh, all sorts of things that overlap. And then Madison, and uh, we met with their economic development uh, leader and the mega site they have and and all the incredible things that they've been able to attract in that community. Uh, But Tupelo probably has, well, certainly has the longest standing community development organization. Uh, They're just rock solid. They know how to get things done. They're always uh, find ways to be aligned, you know, even within Lee County, which has nine municipalities. I didn't realize they had that many. Um, They they know the importance of that connective tissue with their local leaders, with their state leaders. Uh, But it's a business driven organization for the most part. So 
we learned a lot. I learned a lot. Even, you know, I'd spent time in those places before. And so uh, I think you're right. It, you know, it, it's good to do those trips out of state, but I think it's also valuable to, to, to do some trips in state and see how other other areas are, are doing well. Well, you ha- you you mentioned it um, with uh, Tupelo. You've got eleven different political subdivisions. It's kind of a microcosm of coastal Mississippi. We'll co- I'll come back to that in just a second. But then you had is where you got a very centralized approach to how do you look at this, and then the Madison, of course, is a very similar story. But, you know, I mentioned the Golden Triangle. You know Joe Max Higgins really well, and uh, the work that they're doing there is, man, I mean, who's going to dispute that? I mean, he he, he actually teaches a course at Harvard every year uh, based on it. But he's been on my show a bunch of times. But um, there are great learnings to, to be had from, from traveling to other parts of the state. What Again, our, the best thing that, about Coastal Mississippi is that we're a collection of political subdivisions. The worst thing about coastal Mississippi is we're a collection of political subdivisions because it requires the the amount of communication that you have to do. I talked to Greg Cronin and Judy at Coastal Tourism, Coastal Mississippi Tourism about this recently. The amount of communicating you have to do to talk to all the stakeholders, both public and private, it is enormous, Jamie. You know that extraordinarily well as the CEO of the Business Council. But if you can bring the majority of them together – we can achieve what we need to achieve in any of these places, whether you're talking about Tupelo or the Golden Triangle or wherever, whether you go to somewhere like Huntsville, uh, Alabama, the key to their success is that people are, for the most part, on the same page and getting coast of Mississippi on the same page because we're so divided, not not in terms of ideas, but I'm just in terms of political subdivisions. It's a challenge. And we, that's the one thing we got to work to overcome, isn't it? It certainly is. And we heard, you know, we heard similar stories in other areas. I mean, the, the, the challenges are similar in Tupelo and Jackson and Hattiesburg. I think one one takeaway for me was, and, and they each of these communities mentioned it, there are some conversations you have to have in public. And there's some conversations you have to have kind of behind closed doors, kind of, you know, face to face. You know, when it's when there's fair criticism that needs to be given out, you know, you have to have some trust with local officials, with leaders. Uh, and not every conversation needs to be kind of brought to the social media uh, public platform. There's a lot of conversations that need to be had behind closed doors with trust. Um, but each of those communities are also very willing to to publicly keep you know uh, local officials accountable. So it's a balance there. And 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 you're right. We've got uh, from one side of the coast to the other. We've got uh, 12 fantastic cities and three counties and. All together, we're one coast, and I think I think we're on a great trajectory. We just need to just need to keep our uh, our heads about us. Uh, some of the wisdom you shared at the front of the show is is certainly uh, something we need to keep in mind as we move forward. Well, twelve three one. There's your your new kind of statement, but I think it's I think it really goes without saying. You're doing general membership meetings in the adjacent counties. You've got a, an August meeting with a congressional delegation. You've got CEOs survey that's underway. There's a lot more to talk about, and we'll 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 get you back in a couple of weeks, and we'll just continue the conversation, Jamie. Hey, thanks a bunch. It's been it's been a pleasure. Hey, listen, uh, have a great day, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. We'll see you okay. tomorrow. Super.
Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.